time's a charm. Hey guys, what's up? And welcome to another episode of A Conversation with Jenna. If this is your first time here, hey, I'm Jenna, and I'm so glad that you're joining me here today. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the importance of forgiveness, and I'm also going to be sharing about my forgiveness journey. A little disclaimer that you'll hear in every episode is this. What I'm about to share with you are my personal thoughts, opinions, and experiences. I am not an expert, nor will everything that I say be factual. Please do your own research and think for yourself. As always, my hope is that my life experiences can help you in your life. So sit back and soak in the goodness. Let's jam. talking about the importance of forgiveness. Well, I can start by telling you that right before I went to record this episode, I was thinking about a story that I want to share with you guys. And it was making me really passionate and like really fired up. And like I was getting really angry, actually. And I kind of hope that it produces like some kind of anger in your life, too, because I believe that anger like leads to change. Usually it's like when we get really angry about something or even really passionate about something that then we like want to make a change. So I hope that you use your anger in like a positive way because like I don't think anger is bad and I think people take out anger in like different ways and I don't think that you should shame someone for the way that they take out anger. It's like the other day my friend was telling me that her son got really upset and out of anger through the remote at the television and broke the television. And I said to her, I was like, yeah, did he do that because he was angry? And she was like, yeah. And you would tell like she was kind of shamed about it. And I was like, well, I mean, there's worse things that he could do. Like, yeah, you want to like teach him like, hey, hey, bud, like we're not going to like throw things at the television. But there's a pastor called Judah Smith and he pastors church home. It's a church. It's like a multi-campus church in Seattle and in LA and he says that anger runs in his family and I love that he is so transparent but anyways he says that anger runs in his family and one way that he takes out his anger is on the golf course when he does really bad he like breaks his clubs (laughs) I just think that that's so amazing because it's like if you can afford to buy new ones then do it like I see nothing wrong with that absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like you're not hurting anybody. You're taking your anger out. And if you can afford to buy new ones, like who cares? Or the other time I was at a church service and a guy said that he felt so ashamed for the way he took out his anger. And he felt ashamed because his kids saw it, but he was like out in the backyard by himself and he was mowing the lawn and the lawnmower wasn't working. And so out of frustration, he took the lawnmower and he threw it. And I was like, dude, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I mean, I probably would just laugh if my husband came to me and was like, babe, like, this is what I did. I'd be like, okay, cool. Like, whatever. I mean, do do what you want. Like, you're not hurting anybody. You're just taking your frustration out. I know for me, like, one way that I like to take my anger out is I, like, like, one time I put, I got an Amazon box and I put my, like, names of people that I was angry at. And this actually has... Oh my gosh, it's amazing how this comes full circle, but this actually has something to do with my forgiveness journey. So when I was going on my forgiveness journey and I was like learning to forgive all the people that hurt me, one way that I took my anger out was I put their names on an Amazon box. I took it in the backyard and I took a hammer and I just started beating it. 
And it felt so good for me to get my anger out on them with like their names in that box. And like, I was just like beating the crap out of it. And I really loved it. And I thought it was so helpful. Another way that I get my anger out is like in my car, I'll just scream at the top of my lungs when I just got so frustrated. And for me, it's like a beautiful release. One time I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts. It's called The Popcast. And they did this whole thing on the nose of anger. They do like a nose of series and it's really good. You, sh- you guys should listen to it. It's funny. And they were saying that one of their listeners told them that the way that they take their anger out is they have a Pringles like container that they keep in their car and they get in their car and they scream with a Pringles container. (laughs) And I just like thought that was so funny. So, okay, so let's first start with why I think forgiveness is so important. And I think a lot of this like, it was the year 2020 when I went on from my forgiveness journey. And like, that was also the year of George Floyd. Right. And it was also the year that like a lot of awareness of racism came out in the world. Like so grateful and thankful for that. And the word like systemic thinking was like a really popular phrase. And it was like a really popular, like, what would you call it? Like a ideology I don't know. Um, I probably am saying that wrong, but it was like a really popular thing that people were talking about, like system. Yeah. Systemic thinking. And like, obviously systemic thinking like starts in the home. Right. And it like usually will start with the parents or like the main figures in the home. And then it will like trickle down to the kids. And that's forgiveness. That's like And this is why I think that this is one of the reasons why I think forgiveness is so important is because it can be systemic, like unforgiveness can be systemic. And this is what I mean by that. So there are people who are part of my family who I no longer talk with because I, I know, and I believe that they are holding on to unforgiveness. And the thing is, is like when you're bleeding, the people that you're around, like your blood gets on them. And so it's up to us, like the innocent bystanders, to like analyze and to pay attention to the people around us and be like, hey, are these people good for us? Because the reason why I had to back away from these family members and like really like put my guard up and like we don't even talk right now is because they were holding on to so much unforgiveness that it was just bleeding on me because every time we were around, it was the only thing that we could talk about. And like the story is, I won't get into a whole lot of detail because I do want to like honor their privacy, but the story is, is like, um, so it's like an aunt and uncle and then they have my cousin and they did not like his wife. And it was like, everything was fine with her. And then all of a sudden they got married and like she switched. That's how they would describe it. And then from there, it was just constant like crap talking. They just talked crap about her like all the freaking time. And I get like, they, they hurt her. Like I get that there's a lot of hurt feelings within that, within that family, within that dynamic. I mean, there's a lot of this that goes on with my immediate family too. But anyways, there was just so much like hatred toward the daughter-in-law that all that they would do when she wasn't around was like just talk so negative about her. And so their son, like my cousin actually died in 2020, not because of COVID, but because of other illnesses. And when we were at his funeral, after the funeral, they were still talking crap about the daughter-in-law. And I'm like, dude, your son is now dead, dead. He literally died like no longer living and you're still going to talk crap about her. Like it's time to forgive and move on. 
And this is why it's systemic is because it first started with my aunt and uncle, okay, who are grandparents. Then it trickled down to my two cousins. One of them has passed. One of them is still living. And then it also trickled down to my cousin's spouse, not the one that they don't like, but the other one. And then it trickles down to the grandkids because the grandkids who are like, the oldest one is 20 years. So she's 14. And then she has a younger sibling. So because she hears her grandma and grandpa talking crap about this person, and because she hears her parents talking crap about this person, she, like, they now talk crap about this person when it has nothing to do with them. The beef starts with the grandparents. The beef starts with my aunt and uncles. The beef has nothing to do with my littlest cousins, with their grandchildren. But that's the systemic part of it. That is the part that you see. And like, that's what destroys people and destroys families. And it's because my aunt and uncle or their grandparents like can't forgive this person and move forward. And let me tell you again, my cousin died. Like my cousin is not even around and like rest. Like I miss my cousin very much. And it was such a sad thing because he was sick for a while, but he just didn't tell a lot of people. So when we finally found out he was sick, it kind of happened kind of quickly. But I just like forgive. Don't let it be a systemic thing. Like don't let it be this hate that starts in the family that just goes from the parents down to the children. The children have nothing to do with this girl. There was no offense taken out on the children. None, 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 none. At least not that I know of, but because their parents don't like this person and then the grandparents don't like this person, they don't like this person. And when I see that, that's your blood. And this is what I mean by when you're bleeding, you bleed on others. The grandparents or my aunt and uncles were bleeding with this unforgiveness. It trickled down to my cousins and then it trickled down to their children. Like, guys, forgive and move forward. And we know that forgiveness is something that we do for ourselves so we can have peace and we can move forward with our lives. And I'm not telling I'm not telling you go write their names on a freaking box and beat the crap out of it. It feels so good because you do need to get your anger out because this person or whoever like has hurt you. Okay, but like do something about it and take care of it and don't allow it to trickle around. I also feel it is so important that we take responsibility for our actions. Okay, there was a time in my life. So in 2020 is when I officially like left the church, but I still considered myself Christian. And I had gone on a forgiveness journey. Like, I definitely know that it was in October of 2020, but I it probably was like, uh, like October, November. It probably was like September, October, November, maybe a little bit of December, but it kind of happened towards the end of 2020. And then come the beginning of 2021, it was in April of 2021 that I officially stepped away from the church. And so at that time, I knew, well, I knew I had to step away for multiple reasons, but I was still a youth leader before I stepped away. And I remember like just texting my, like, I remember thinking really hard about this. Like I'm really struggling right now and I'm bleeding and I can't be a mentor for someone when I'm bleeding. Like I need to step away and I need to go take care of myself and I need to go heal my wounds before I can even try to mentor anybody. And so I just remember there was just like this really big shift, but because I had gone on that forgiveness journey, because I had already seen the systemic unforgiveness happening, because I already got the concept of when you're bleeding, your blood gets on people, like because I had already understood that, I recognized, oh, wow, like 
I'm bleeding. I'm not, I'm hurting a lot and I'm going through a lot right now. And, and like, this is at the time of my, um, my season of isolation. And this is also the time when I was going on my self-love journey. So it's like a forgiveness journey happened. And then right after a self-love journey happened, but so I was able to recognize it. And I just remember I texted the pastor of like the youth pastor. And I was like, Hey, like I have to step away. I'm not in a healthy space. And I like cannot allow my blood to get on those girls. And I think like, it takes a really big person to recognize that you're bleeding or that you have some insecurities or you have some wounds like that you need to go away for a little while and you need to heal those because you need to make sure that you're not bleeding on other people. Take yourself out of those situations. It's just a really good lesson. I hope that you really got, you guys really think about it seriously and like you use it in your life and it's a good analogy. Okay, so let's talk about my forgiveness journey. So there's this book by John Brevere, and he is a preacher. I don't know if he's considered a pastor because I don't think he has his own church, or excuse me, I don't think he pastors his own church, but he and his wife, Lisa Brevere, they have like some kind of ministry, okay? And he wrote a book, and it's called The Bait of Satan. And I might be doing a giveaway of this book, if y'all are interested, like look in the description. And if I have the giveaway in the description, then I've decided that I'm going to do a giveaway of this book because it did change my life and it really did help me. And even though it is biblically based and I don't like necessarily believe in the Bible anymore, I think that you could remove the Bible and it would still be impactful. Okay. So even if you're not Christian, like just hear me out because this time in my life I was Christian and I really did believe that God had taken me on a forgiveness journey. And I only can speak of my experience from when I was going through it. And at this time I was, I was Christian, I was spiritual, I believed in the almighty, right? And so for some reason, I think it was someone that I worked with, like uh, one of the hairstylists was like, you need to read this book or somehow... I got this book. I got a hold of this book and I actually got her copy of this book. And I was like, okay, maybe I needed something to read or something like that. Right. Because I had probably read and anyways, I like to do a lot of reading. So anyways, I, so she was like, you need to read this book. She brought me this book and it was so incredible. Just like the way that I felt like God worked on my heart and he really changed who I was on the inside. Like he changed it. And I want to tell you like, I was holding on to so much unforgiveness. I had the biggest chip on my, my shoulder. I thought the whole world owed me everything. I wanted revenge on every single person that has hurt me. Like, and I've gone through a lot of stuff, like a lot. And so I felt like I had a lot of people that I wanted to get even with. Like I was just really hurt, really, 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 really hurt. And I was holding on to a lot of unforgiveness. So I read this book and then I believed that God wanted me to read it again. And this time, so it's the 20th, the 20th anniversary edition is the edition that I read. And in it, it comes with like a, um, like a workbook. Yeah, it comes like a, with a workbook. So every day, I think it's like a 30 day long workbook. And so you read the chapter that goes along with the day and then you answer the questions. So at first I didn't do the, the 30 day workbook. I hope I'm saying it right. I have the book. I could probably look, but you guys know what you mean. Like a study guide. Yeah, it's like a study guide. And so at first I read through the whole book. I didn't do the study guide. Then I, and at the end of me reading it the first time, I really believe that God told me, 
do it, read it again and do the study guide. So I gave that book back to my friend or some, somehow I was like, Hey, I need to keep your copy because God's telling me to read it again and to do the study guide. She's like, okay. So I think I like bought her a new copy or whatever. So I read it again and I did the study guide and I feel like my heart has been changed. And that's all I can tell you is like, I really believe that this book helped me to see what um, unforgiveness does, um, what forgiveness can do, and like how terrible holding on to unforgiveness is. And the reason why it's called The Bait of Satan is because this author believes, or I would even think some Christians believe, that that's like his prime bait is unforgiveness. Because, you know, as a Christian, we're called, well, I don't want to say were because I'm not Christian anymore, but speaking as if I was Christian, like we're called to forgive others because we have for, we have been forgiven, right? Like if God can forgive us of our sins, we should be able to forgive others of their sins. And like, I honestly believe that the only thing that's kind of changed now, it's like whether God is real or not, and whether God forgives me, it's that it's that I have to learn. And that's another thing is like, you have to learn to forgive yourself first before you can give forgiveness. Because I truly believe, I have said this before, like I can't love someone better than I love myself. If I don't forgive myself first, there's no way I'm going to give forgiveness to anybody else. I mean, just point blank. Like it starts with you, like the change, like Michael Jackson said it best. Like it starts with the man in the mirror. And so like just through reading that book and like through the spiritual walk that I went through, through the prayer time that I had, whatever, like all of the studying that I did, like it just really changed my heart. And so I just want to encourage you guys to like pick up that book if you're interested. I think it would still be really, really beneficial even if you take out the Bible because we have to forgive. Like it is so important. Another thing that I would say, like going back to how important it is for you to forgive yourself first and then you can give forgiveness to others. And if you do go back, like let's just say like the Jesus thing, how he laid his life down for us and like, God has forgiven our sins because of Jesus Christ and whatever. And so because of that, like if the God of the universe can forgive us, like we can forgive others. But I really think if you like take that out and if you like start to realize that we're all imperfect and that we all make mistakes, including ourselves. And now that I think about it, it's like really about us dropping our pride too. And like realizing that we all make mistakes. And I think once you self-reflect and you look at all the mistakes that you've made and you start to see all of the people that have forgiven you throughout your life with your mistakes, like you're just more generous in your forgiveness, honestly, like, and that's what it is. So whether you're going to be Christian and whether you believe, yeah, we need to forgive because God forgave us first. Well, take out God and think about the person that you hurt yesterday and how they've forgiven you right? Like they didn't have to forgive you, but, but they did. And you acted a some kind of way. And I think like, once you just put it into that perspective, you, you, you're going to start to give forgiveness more genuine, genuine, generously. And you're going to start to realize how important it is because we all make mistakes. Like we all make mistakes. We all treat people terribly. And let me tell you guys, like I was the worst of the worst. I was not a nice person. I wasn't like, I was pretty awful, but just going through the forgiveness journey and, but again, a lot of it had to do with in my, in the Christian faith, like we forgive because God forgived us. I believe it. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's even biblical. I'm pretty sure. 
I don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure it is in the Bible. I couldn't tell you where. If I find it, I might link it down below so you guys know that I'm like speaking uh fact. Well, I don't think that the Bible is actually fact because it can't be proven that it's real. You know, like solid evidence and a fact I think has to be like a solid evidence proof, like not just a feeling or I just know for sure. Like, no, like the Bible would never hold up in court as being factual. Okay, no. So anyways, if I find that scripture, like I might link it in the show notes, but I just think that it's so important that you forgive yourself first and then from there, like let the forgiveness flow. But again, I just want to like, preface how important it is that you forgive yourself and and now that I'm just like thinking back on my forgiveness journey that's really all where it started is I had to forgive myself from all the times that I messed up I had to forgive myself from all the times that I hurt people and I mean I hurt people bad like y'all know that I have a mouth when I was younger I didn't know how to control it okay like I was so immature I just spat off and said whatever I wanted. Like I was hurtful, but at the same time, I also know that I've always been a truth teller. So when I was younger, I would get in a lot of trouble for telling the truth. And I just never understood why. And I really think that that's just people's insecurities because they don't really want to hear the truth because they can't handle the truth. But I've always been a truth teller. Now that I'm older, like people seem to just take it more or like I'm older now. So like y'all can't boss me around and tell me what to do. But regardless, I've messed up. I hurt a lot of people and I remember I had to like go through those like feelings of shame and guilt and then I had to realize like no no that's not true and honestly it was because I was taught like the love of Jesus like he just his blood covers us and washes all of that away but like take that away I mean there is no shame for being who you are there is no guilt for your actions that you've done I mean, learn from your mistakes and try to do better next time. But I have to say, like, look inwards and forgive yourself first. Like, make a list of the things. Go get the book. Like, I'm telling you, learning to forgive yourself, it's going to change your life. So I had just uh, finished reading the book for the second time, The Beta Satan. I did the 30-day, like, the workbook. And then there was this church that I really followed really closely, and it's called Transformation Church. And it's based out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the pastor, his name is called Michael Todd. And I feel like he blew up really big, and I really, like, idolized him. I looked up to him so much. I considered him, like, like a leader in my life. I mean, I would look to him for things, like, the way that he would treat people. Like, I just, like, really looked up to him, right? And the interesting thing was, right is he takes like a sabbatical and okay so like if anybody is familiar with relationship goals he also has a book called relationship goals like if anybody's familiar with that book like you know or if you're familiar with his church or his sermon like the one sermon I think where he was like I mean one of his sermons went viral and it was like the first series of relationship goals anyway just a little backstory in case you guys have ever heard of him but um, okay, so you know, like, if you know his story, like, after he came com- came back from sabbatical, like, that's when relationship goals happened, and, um, so it, like, I was just really curious, um, in 2021 about, like, what sermon series is he gonna come out of sabbatical with, and it was just so funny because in October, 
I ended my forgiveness journey or, or I ended read, read I ended reading the John Bevere Bait of Sam book and then he comes back from sabbatical and he does the series FU. And FU stands for Forgiveness University. So not only did I read the John Bevere book twice, I also watched this sermon series called FU. It was just like kind of incredible how everything lined up. Like there was no way that anybody knew that he was going to do this FU series. Like no way. And it just so happened that it totally coincided with like my forgiveness journey. And basically like his series is the book because I think the scriptures that the Bible uses to talk about forgiveness are like lateral. Like there isn't, there's like a handful of them and they're just used consistently. And so, oh my gosh, Siri like heard my voice and started acting crazy anyways. And so basically like his sermon series, FU was basically like the book all over. So I really got the book three times and it was like, boom, 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 September, October, November, one, two, three, three times in my face. And I was like, wow, like God must really be speaking to me. Now it was probably just a cognitive bias, you know, the cognitive illusion theory. But regardless, I thought it was a sign from God. I was like, wow, he must really want me to hear this, right? So I followed it. The series was pretty good. Again, it was the same exact thing as the book. The reason why I bring this up and the reason why I bring this pastor up is right before I was recording this podcast and the thing that got me really angry is because I remember, so this man is like a leader within the church, like within the contemporary Christian non-denominational church, like he's known as like a thought leader. He's like very popular, very well liked. Well, I've left the church. I don't follow him him anymore, anything like that. But I'm going to link the video in the show notes because I want you guys to see it if you're interested in like, this is what made me so angry and like why I think anger is good. But I just needed to share this with you because like I considered this man like to be a leader in my life. And then recently he was doing a demonstration and it was about how God's plan for your life can be messy. And he had a demonstrator with him on stage. So it's him and another man who I think the man is his brother. And guys, he hawked a loogie, spit it into his hand. And then wiped it on the man's face. And I'm just thinking, what? It was, it's the most disgusting thing that you've ever seen in your life. I'm also thinking like, oh my gosh, I looked up to this person so much, but this is how he's going to treat another human being? That is disgusting. No one deserves to have spit. And I'm not talking about it was a little bit of spit. I mean, he hawked a loogie and you can see the loogie coming from his mouth. And then you can see that he wiped it all over his that man's face. And he said, this is this is the feeling that you get with the messy the messiness that God does in your life or the mess. And I was like, yo, 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 you trying to use this as a way to show God's love. Like you trying to tell me that the almighty God is going to spit on my face and rub spit on my face. Like I just, and then it just like kind of got me all spot, like thinking about, oh my gosh, like the FU series and how this is the forgiveness series. And I'm like, I'm going to be talking about forgiveness and just like, I looked up to this man so much and like he spits on his hand and rubs it on this man's face. Like I'm going to, I'm going to put it in the show notes, watch it. It's disgusting. And I hope it makes you angry and I hope it impacts some kind of change in your life. I don't know what, but like tell everybody 
because it's just disgusting. And like, this is like the strongest form of pride that I've really ever seen. And I do feel like a lot of Christian pastors, like people put them on the pedestal, which I did too. And I think that their egos just get so big. Like, how come they all cheat on their spouses? Not all of them, but I, right before this, I was, I noticed that I watched a commercial that TLC is going to be doing a documentary on Hillsong and they're going to be talking about the pastor, the famous pastor who cheated on his wife. And there was another guy recently, uh, some Chandler guy, like he cheated on his wife recently. It's just like all of these people are just cheating on their wives. And I'm just like, yo, Christ, as a Christian, like you're held to a higher standard. Like that's what the church teaches that as a Christian, you're held to a higher standard. But like now you're going to spit on your hand and rub it on this guy's face. And like now you're going to cheat on your wife. And like Pastor Mike has cheated on his wife. Like, like it's just, I don't know. I just needed to share that little story with you guys because like he did impact my life. I have to say like his sermons really did something for me. He also did this forgiveness journey at the, the forget a few series at the same time I was going on my forgiveness journey. But like, once I saw him do that, I was just like, imagine how your wife feels like, Oh, I mean, she already has talked about that. She has lost so much trust because you cheated on her and, and it like trust is taken away in buckets and it's like earned back in drops. Right. And so I was like, imagine how your family feels that you did that. And it's like all over the internet and like a bunch of people watch it. Like he probably has over like a million people subscribed to his church YouTube channel. And like, that's just another thing that I don't really understand is like, as a Christian, like you're taught that you're supposed to be a good steward over the things that God gives you. And I just think, Pastor Mike, was that you being a good steward over all of your like church subscribers? Like, I don't think so. I don't think God calls you to like, handle your church congregation like that. And I don't think God like would call you to like rub spit on someone's face. And like, that's the other thing. I'm like, Pastor Mike, did someone not like proof this? Did you not go to someone and share this idea? And like, are they just so up your butt that they were like, oh yeah, man, that sounds so awesome. It's like, no, 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 that's not awesome. That's not okay. Like, I just can't believe that Natalie, his wife, I just feel like she would have been like, no, Mike, like you can't do that. That's just so degrading. And he rubbed it on his face and it was a loogie. And there they zoomed up on that man's face and you could see the spit on his face. I just had to share this little rant because it kind of goes along with the story. So watch it. I just feel like if you want to see what pride looks like, there it is. And trust me, like I've been prideful too. I just feel like you're called to live a higher standard. Is the standard too high? Like, is that another thing? Is the pressure just too high? Is the pressure just too much? And that's how come people fall. And I think, yeah, that's like another reason why I left. Like, let me just be me and let me make decisions for myself. And I do not condone cheating. Heck no. And I don't condone you wiping spit on your face. But it's like, I think sometimes the church puts so much pressure on you to be perfect and to walk a certain way and to, quote, look different than the world right? Like you're the light. Like Jesus says that you're the light. And it's like, yeah, but like people obviously can't live up to those standards. And I couldn't live up to those standards. And that's why I had to leave because it was just, they were asking me to do the impossible. And they were also asking me to do things that were just completely against my nature. So yeah, I just went off on kind of a rant, but I hope you enjoyed that story. I also should say that Pastor Mike did publicly apologize for whatever that is worth. That's up to you, but there's that. Okay. Another like quick story that I want to share about systemic thinking and like this has really nothing to do with forgiveness, but it has something to do with systemic thinking. And like 
why it's so important for you to really think about systemic thinking. Like take some time to like mull it over, like think about it, chew on it. Like think about are your actions like affecting the generation that's coming after you? Yeah, they are. Like whether they're good or bad, they are. And like, let me give you this prime example, okay? So I love orcas. Orcas are my all-time favorite animal. I love them so much. I just think they're so cute and they're so precious. And I fell in love with them after I watched the documentary of Blackfish. Watch the documentary. It's very good. It's very sad, but it's very good. And and like just FYI, there has been no reports of an orca attack in the wild, only in captivity. Okay, that should tell you something. Okay. So anyways, like I just have these dreams of like swimming with the orcas in the ocean, just like free swimming with them. And or if I'm like kayaking or canoeing, like for an orca to come up to my kayak and I like touch pet its tongue oh just so cute okay anyways so (laughs) because I love orcas like I can go down the rabbit hole of orca documentaries on YouTube like you'll want to know what I'm doing at 3 a.m that's what I'm doing okay and so in 2020 like as I was going through my forgiveness as I was going through the forgiveness journey and like as the the situation with George Floyd was developing and again like systemic systemic thinking like when it comes to racism was just like a really like hot topic right and as it should have been like racist racism is not okay but I also like I had some racism in my heart that God had to remove it during that time too like it I'm telling you like I'm, I have not been a good person in my life anyways and I really feel like I had to learn to like forgive myself for all of those times I was being racist anyways forgiveness is important. Let's get back to the subject. So, um, and like, I don't mean to like say that lightly because racism is a big deal. I just know that it was pointed out to me and I started to realize it. Like, like I feel like God quote pointed it out to me and I was like, Oh wow. Like I didn't even realize that that was a way that I was being racist, but it was. So anyways, okay. So orcas. So I had noticed like Okay, when you're talking about the transit orcas or the pod that lives like in the Pacific Northwest. So you have the like pod that is an actual resident pod to that area and they like swim close. They're like in the ones that you would find in Puget Sound. They're the ones that will like swim closer to the mainland, right? Those are like the ones that like the full-time resident there. Then you have the transient orcas that will swim a little bit more out into the... Um, open ocean but they take like the same route right and then I was just kind of looking at their diet and like it was went down the rabbit hole of all the fun information and the transient orcas will eat whatever they can they don't care they're just going to eat it but the orcas that live the pods that are closest to Puget Sound that like are closest to the mainland they have been dying out and it's because of starvation at least this is what the reports are saying And so a lot of females are not able to get pregnant or stay pregnant. They'll have a lot of miscarriages. And, and one of the reasons why is because those orcas that, that swim and live, those pods that live, that swim and live closer to the land, they eat salmon. And if you know anything about salmon farming, like a lot of our salmon, that's like, like from the ocean, not like farm raised, but like freshly raised, comes from that area and a lot of these like salmon farmers have like dammed up the dams so the salmon are not like able to swim as far out until like get into the ocean for the orcas to eat them well the interesting thing about orcas is the patriarch of the family is the grandmother and the grandmother teaches 
the younger generations like how to live she like basically teaches them the rules of the way of being an orca well so she teaches them how to hunt but because in her mind she only knows that they can hunt salmon like she's not able to see that they have a whole ocean they're the apex predator okay they even eat whales and they eat great white sharks did you know that they will eat a great white shark and the only part of them that they will eat is their liver and when you look at the a shark that has been killed by an orca it's like the most perfectly like surgeon surgeon straight line like right in their liver liver and they just eat out the the liver they will even go after like baby humpback whales okay like they will they are killers i love it anyways and so i just kind of think like that's like systemic thinking and I feel like that kind of thinking like that closed-minded thinking of the patriarch of the family which is like the grandma orca she's teaching all of the younger generations like how to hunt how to survive but she's teaching them wrong now I don't think that we'll ever be able to tell the orcas hey like you are the apex predator you could go and you could eat anything you wanted but instead you're staying so you're staying so limited in your thinking and you have your blinders on and you're like no it's this way or no way when your generations below you are dying and not even being birthed because you won't change your way of thinking and like that's just kind of the I just kind of like put it together when I was like oh my gosh that's systemic thinking that way of thinking is hurting the next generation that's forgiveness that's unforgiveness when you don't learn to forgive you hurt the generations to come and it's like we need to be responsible for these generations so anyways I could go on about that forever but I just thought when I learned that and when I realized like these animals are dying because they think that they only have one food source when that's completely wrong. Like they are apex predators. They could eat whatever they wanted and they don't even know that the world is their oyster and that their mind could be expanded. I don't know. I just feel like that's so fascinating and so cool and it's systemic thinking and it definitely has something to do with what we're talking about. I hope you guys enjoyed it. My little fun story about orcas. I hope you enjoyed this episode on forgiveness I do think forgiveness is very important. It is something that I'm really passionate about. And like, sometimes you just got to let it go and realize that's out of your control and that you can't control others. You can only control yourself. And so start with yourself, forgive yourself, love others well, treat others with kindness. Like you're a rock star and you got this. It's going to be really hard and you're going to have to dig deep inside and you're going to have to look at all of your brokenness. But I think self-transformation is really fun. So I hope you enjoy it. And stay tuned because my R&Rs are coming up next. Okay, before we get into my R&Rs for the week, I just remembered that there is something else that I wanted to say. One thing that really helped me on my forgiveness journey and that really helped me to be able to let go and forgive the people who had hurt me was to stop replaying the event over in my head. Because that is something that comes very natural to me. My brain, like I am sure a lot of people's brains are like this and it's not unique to me, but um, my brain will just like bring up all of these negative instances where people have hurt me or, or my brain will bring up, hey, remember when this person did that to you? And then I would sit on it and then I would fester in it and then all of those negative emotions would come back into my heart and then I would get angry again and then I would have to go through the process all over again. So what I have learned is that when my brain wants to bring up that negative memory, I have to shut it down right away. 
I have to just blow it away. I have to just let it go. I have to release it and I have to tell my brain, no, I am not going to relive this memory again because I have healed from this. I have let this go and I have forgiven that person. So I just wanted to add that because I think it is one of the most important things I have learned through this forgiveness journey. And I hope that it helps you. Now, let's get into my R&Rs. So before I start my R&Rs, I want to give a little update. There was a man that I was talking about in uh, a few weeks, like, I don't know, a few episodes ago, and he was part of my rant, how he was like super arrogant, and he wanted my friend to teach him like some dance moves for when he goes and like preaches in India, and he looked at my friend right in the face and got so like inches away from her face and said to her well, if you knew who I was, you would be, you would want to work with me. Like, do you remember that guy? Like the guy that we all hate. So I just have a little update that I want to share with y'all. So I was talking with another dance instructor who, um, my friend and him were like going to teach him together. And I was like, Hey, did you ever like connect with that man? Like, did you ever teach with that man? And he was like, no. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what happened? And he was like, well, after we spoke, like after my friend who owns the studio and this other instructor spoke and just like figure out some details, they, he was like, well, we figured out a time that would work for us. And so we texted the man and like said, Hey, this is what works for us. Does this work for you? And he was like, no, that doesn't work for me. But like, didn't give them any other options. And the instructor I was talking to was like, yeah, it was like he wanted us to chase after him. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what he was trying to do to us. Like the first time that we met him when he made that comment, well, I don't reach out to people or I don't check in with people. So if you want to work for me, I'm going to hear from you. And if I don't hear from you, then I'm going to move on to someone else. It's like, who do you think that you are? But I just had to give that little update. And I was talking with that instructor. I was like, man, he, I told my friend, do not work with him, but if you won't work with him, just expect the challenge and don't get frustrated. Don't get frustrated because you chose to work with this man knowing how he was. I would never work with him. Mm-mm. Like I've learned my lesson. You don't work with arrogant people. It's just, you got to set your boundaries. You got to say no. Anyways, I just cannot believe that he like wanted my friends to chase him. It's like, who is this guy? Ugh. oh, I really hate people like that. Okay, so my rant for today has to do with PETA and how they're liars. Okay, I'm just going to call them out. They're big fat liars. And or at least I've caught them in a lie in one of their campaigns. And I will, if I can find the campaign, of course, I'm going to link it down because I want you to see that I'm not just talking out of my butt. Okay, so do you guys remember the Gucci slide that has the fur in it? I love those shoes. I'm obsessed with those shoes. I love those shoes. Okay. And I have like a target version of those shoes because I wasn't going to buy the real version because they use kangaroo hair. But then I saw that PETA did this like campaign or put out this ad. Gucci is now for free. And so I got so excited because I was like, oh my gosh, now I can buy these shoes. Like so exciting, right? So I went down to my local Gucci store and I walked in and I started talking to the associate and I like went over to these shoes and I was like, oh my gosh, these are now for free. And he was like, no. And I was like, what? And he was like, or I said, 
but PETA just did this huge announcement that Gucci is now for free. So like, what do you tell me? This is, this is still real fur. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, what? Like, can you please explain to me like what's happening in here? And he goes, well, now instead of killing the kangaroos just to use them for the fur in this shoe, we now use the fur from kangaroos that have been killed for other purposes. And I was like, Pete is a liar. That is a lie. Like Gucci is not for free. They've just changed the way of like, they just changed their method of getting the fur. I just thought, oh my gosh, can you trust anybody? Like everybody is a liar. And this like really back to the a few weeks ago when I was talking about Qatar and how you just like can't believe everything that the news reports. And like, I'm not, I do not support like child labor laws or like people being abused, but it's like, just because this one article or multiple articles, I don't really know, came out about Qatar and like the poor working condition. It's like, you can't believe everything that you hear. And you think that you could believe PETA. Like I really believed and trusted in them. I mean, I donated to them all like throughout my entire life. Not, uh, not anymore, but like I like trusted that they were like fighting for the good. And then it turns out that they were lying. And I just, I was like, wow. 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 You liars. You lied. And now I just have my like um, dupe version that I bought from Target that I love so much. They're so comfortable and they keep my feet so warm. But way to go, PETA. You're a liar. Okay. So what I want to, to rave about this week is there's a book that I just read that is so good and it's called Monkey Mind, A Memoir of Anxiety by Daniel Smith. And it says, a wild acclaimed New York Times bestseller, this uplifting, smart, and funny memoir provides hope and understanding to the 40 million Americans who suffer from anxiety disorders. And like the, the book is just so good. I just really encourage you guys to get it. And one thing I also wanted to tell you is like, have you ever heard of the term monkey mind? He does a great job in the book explaining what it is, but I want to give you a definition. The origins of the monkey mind date back to the Buddha. The expression is used to describe the inability to quiet our mind where there are many thoughts, ideas, and worries swirling around in our head. And I did not know that that was like a Buddhist thing, that that many Buddhists, when people have high anxiety or who, people who are constantly worried, they call them monkey mind. And to be honest, um, I have picked up three other books from the library after reading this book and I couldn't even finish them. I just returned them like before I even got halfway through because nothing was as good as this book called Monkey Mind. I love this book too because I get to be educated, but I also get to um, have a relationship with him in an interpersonal way because he takes me into his life. And just like the reason that I do this podcast is inter interpersonal relationships are really important to me. Um, I want to take you guys inside my life and share my life experiences with you. And that's exactly what Daniel does in this book. And... It's also really cool and there's one um, like paragraph that kind of stands out to me a lot. He has like a love relationship with this woman and when he is really, really high in his anxiety, he basically like destroys the relationship and but she stays with him longer than what she should and then spoiler alert, they get back together you know, years later, or I don't know, a little while later. And he looks at her and he asks her, like, why do you think that you stayed with me for so long? And she goes, because I had low self-worth and no self-esteem. 
And for anybody who's been in a terrible relationship, you know exactly what that feels like. And I know exactly what that feels like. But now that I've healed, now that I've, you know, been five years single, like, I know that I won't ever put myself in that situation again. So just reading that line, it's like, yeah, girl, I know exactly what you're feeling and good for you that like you have self-worth now. And so you're not going to take that crap because that's exactly where I'm at. I hope that you guys get the book. I hope that it really encourages you. It's really good. I loved it. I got it from my library and it's the book that I was telling you guys about when I was raving about the, uh, the library, how I asked them to buy the book and then they bought it for me. It was that book, Monkey Mind. And I, I found it first at Barnes and Noble and just trying to save money. I got the li- I got a library card and I like put the request in in the summertime and it took months for it to come and they didn't tell me that they got it, but I just was at the library. I had no plan of what I wanted to get. I looked up Monkey Mind and there it was. And I was like, oh my gosh, they actually bought the book. And I was the first person to read the book because the book was like brand spanking new. It was so crisp and beautiful and clean. Anyways, go get the book. I think you guys will love it. Well, that is all I have for you on this episode of A Conversation with Jenna. But remember, the conversation doesn't have to end here. If you have thoughts and opinions on my thoughts and opinions, you can email me at a conversation with Jenna at gmail.com. I can't promise that I will respond to every email, but I would love to hear from you. Also, please rate and review my podcast on whatever platform you listen on. I would greatly appreciate it. Don't let the things you want make you forget the things you have. Thank you so much for listening, and I can't wait to talk with you next time. Bye.